aging as something that is um, malleable and something that isn't a sort of one-way street. Um, I think it's really important that we start doing that now because the science is actually quite far ahead of what people's perceptions of it, of aging actually is. Welcome to the Seamland podcast. I'm your host Seamland and our guest today is Dr. Nicola Conlon. Nicola is a molecular biologist and NAD specialist. She's also the founder of Nuchido. This episode is brought to you by Blue Blocks, my favorite light and sleep optimization companies. Artificial light at night exposure is associated with diabetes, obesity, heart disease, cancer, and Alzheimer's. Blue Blocks provides the highest quality blue blocking glasses that filter out the specific wavelengths that have been shown to suppress melatonin in studies. Melatonin is more than the sleep hormone. It's also vital for longevity, anti-aging, and immunity. Artificial light exposure suppresses melatonin up to 99% and makes your brain think that it's daytime before bed. That's why I love using Blue Blocks to guarantee my body is making high amounts of melatonin prior to sleep. They also have daytime lenses that you can use to reduce digital eye strain and retinal damage when working in front of a computer all day. You can get a sweet 15% discount of all the Blue Blocks glasses, red light light bulbs, red light devices and sleep masks if you head over to blueblocks.com forward slash seamlund and use the code seam15. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X dot com forward slash seamlund and the code is seam15, S-I-I-M 15. Nicola, welcome to the show. Hi, Sam. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Yeah, um, I actually heard first about you on another podcast about Dr. Mercola, which was a very, very interesting episode. And uh, we also got introduced by a common friend, uh, Tim Gray. So uh, it was good to you know, have you on the podcast and yeah, talk about what your research is about, because you also like recently published an interesting article or uh, yeah, like a paper, a scientific paper about NAD boosting and increasing energy levels so we're going to talk about all those things in the episode but before we get into that like uh, how did you get interested in uh, NAD and uh, yeah like what's your background in that area yeah sure so so my background is I actually did a PhD in um, looking at the bioavailability of drugs and nutrients and you know how they're absorbed um, in the gut and by the cells that led me into actually having a career in drug development um, so I worked in um, early stage drug development. So that's the part where you're actually identifying the targets that you're going to try and hit um, with, with different drugs. And um, I was really fortunate that I worked for a company that was quite pioneering in developing new drug discovery techniques. Um, and I specialized in something called systems pharmacology, um, which is rather than conventional drug discovery, which just looks at a single target and tries to stick a single molecule to it. It's a way of looking at multiple targets and how do we target multiple things in one go with either one molecule sticking to multiple things or multiple molecules sticking to multiple targets. And you tend to find that you have a higher, um, you know, a, a rate of success when you do that. Um, and in my um, job doing that, I was actually in charge of running the aging project. Um, so looking for molecules that would actually slow down our rate of cellular aging and improve our health span. And at that point, when I was brought on to look after that project, that's when I became first interested in NAD. Um, and that's when I first discovered it. Mm, nice. Yeah, I mean, how many years ago was that like the because NAD itself has become very like you know popular in the anti-aging and longevity space maybe like for the past four years or something like that uh, but uh, like when did you start to get into that back in 2014 
Uh-huh. So this was really um, when the world of sort of longevity research had had some really big breakthroughs, not only in the world of NAD, but also in areas such as senescence and epigenetic reprogramming, where there were some really big breakthroughs that were demonstrating really for the first time that you could actually reverse cellular aging or biological aging. Um, And that was kind of a watershed within the drug development world because all of these companies had sort of been sitting on the edge like thinking, well, should we should we dip our toe in it? Should we have a go or not? And when all of these studies came out that demonstrated you could slow biological aging, that's when companies like the one I worked for decided, right, we're going to get in here and we're going to start looking at molecules that can actually do this. Um, so this was actually quite early on when I got into the field of, of aging research. Mm-hmm. But yeah, NAD has grown massively over the last couple of years. Right, right. What, what's your let's say thoughts about it like is do you think it's a good thing that uh, there's this like a little bit of like a hype around it especially like people like david sinclair uh promoting uh that and using different you know compounds to boost that um, what do you think is it like a good thing or a bad thing for the entire let's say research about the aging and uh health span personally i i think it is a good thing um and i think we do have to be aware that you know sometimes um scientific breakthroughs can be picked up by the press and you know overemphasized and um to the lay person which can make uh, you know many people skeptical about the breakthroughs in the science but i think in general it it really gets people to start thinking differently about aging you know because up until now most people even within the scientific community believe that aging was something that you couldn't do anything about you know it was wasn't something that you could turn back effectively but now it, it is and even that's took a bit of time within the, the world of gerontology to get our heads around so it's got to actually start to now filter through to the policymakers, the public um, and people who can actually take advantage of this science so I think just opening the conversations with people about you know how they think about aging and what happens if there was an opportunity to slow down aging how would they feel about that mm. and starting to reframe aging as something that is um, malleable and something that isn't a sort of one-way street Um, I think it's really important that we start doing that now because the science is actually quite far ahead of what people's perceptions of it of aging actually is so we need Mm. to sort of close that gap but yeah we do need to be careful that you know, aging is an area that has been characterized by a lot of snake oil and false promises so we need to be careful not to slip back into that and, and lose trust. Right, right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That it's overall, it's a good thing to have the you know, paradigm shift that there is possible ways to, yeah, like I said, value, to make aging more malleable and change it or the speed of the aging. Um, but yeah, like always there's the danger of uh, overhype and uh, yeah, <laughs> some people trying to take advantage or being too yeah. like too optimistic about certain things. Obviously, I, I don't think that any of these NAD boosting or even like like these uh, other drugs, I don't think that are going to make you live longer, like, you know, 20 years or something. They may add like a few, maybe a few healthy extra years to your life, but I don't think that they're going to ex- exponentially increase like your maximum uh, lifespan as a human. Yeah. But uh, maybe let's start with some, yeah, like the overarching 
principles, you know, like what is NAD and um, how does it work and what's, why is it, what's the hype about and why is it important in the first place? Yeah, why, why is everyone so excited about it? Yeah. Um, well, you know, NAD is such a critical molecule in our body. Um, and quite often I always say to people, it's probably one of the most important things in your body that you probably didn't even realize was there. Um, and this is because it's, it's fundamental to, to two main things. I mean, it does a lot of things, but I always like to get people to remember the two main things. The first is energy production. So it's absolutely critical for um, the cycles that happen in your cells and in your mitochondria that convert the food that you eat ultimately into the energy that your cells and your body needs to perform every function. So this, this energy currency called ATP. Without NAD, those cycles simply wouldn't go around. I mean, they rely on a lot of other things as well as NAD, but NAD is critical. So energy production in your body is absolutely dependent on NAD. The second thing that NAD is really important for is basically acting like a sensor in the cell um, to initiate and switch on maintenance and repair pathways. Um, so that's quite a broad function that encompasses a lot of different things. But the, the, one th the two things to remember are energy production and switching on cellular maintenance and repair. And, and those are the really key things that are why people are so excited about NAD. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, like most people have never heard about it yet, like I said, <laughs> but it's so yes. kind of crucial. And uh, when you look into like the, the cellular mechanisms and cellular processes, then it's, yeah, like there's a huge uh, reason why you would think that um, NAD has like a you know, kind of central role to um, aging. But uh, have you like, what, what, or what's, you know, like this studies about NAD and aging, does it, how does it, you know, affect aging? And is there like any, Mm, or like how what is how strong is the correlation between uh, let's say low levels of NAD and uh, aging or uh, getting sick and disease? Yeah, so so the, you've just sort of hit the nail on the head there. The main reason why NAD is so exciting for aging is because your NAD levels are found to decline quite heavily um, as you get older. So it's estimated that around every twenty years, your NAD levels almost half. And that's quite a scary thing to think of, considering how important it is in your body. Like you, you really don't want to be letting this deplete um, as, as much as it does. Um, because when you have lower NAD levels, what that means is those critical cellular functions of energy generation and cellular repair and maintenance are actually getting turned down. And that can result in an accumulation of damage in the cell, which ultimately manifests as the sort of signs, symptoms of diseases that we associate with aging. So basically, the correlation is as your NAD levels are declining with age, you are then having an increase in all of the things that are associated with aging, um, including numerous age-related diseases. So you'll find in um, accelerated aging disorders, um, they have um, people that experience those have really reduced levels of NAD in their cells. Um, you find in things like neurodegeneration, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's disease, they have low levels of NAD as well. And also in a lot of the metabolic syndromes, um, such as um, fatty liver disease, um, insulin resistant, things like that, they are also associated with um, chronically low NAD levels. So it's, it's kind of one of those molecules that almost sounds a little bit good to be true because you sort of, you sort of say, well, it, you know, it's involved in this disease and this disease and it does this and it does that. But 
the way you've got to think of it is that NAD is in every single cell in your body and it's absolutely crucial to the cell's performance. So if your NAD levels are declining in any way, it's going to have a major impact throughout the whole body and, you know, multiple different bodily systems. Yeah. What, how does it, uh, or is it more like that the disease, you, you get the sicknesses because you have low NAD levels or is it that the, you know, um, low NAD levels cause the disease to, you know, like which way is it? To, what do you think? I- I think it, it varies. You know, I don't think it's a bit like a chicken and an egg situation. It, it can it can work both ways. You know, there are various diseases, you know, diseases that are associated with chronic inflammation that actually deplete NAD. And then you've got other ones where actually NAD depletion is actually causing the damage, which is then leading to the disease. So it, it actually works both ways. Um, it's it's not a set um sort of order. Mm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, but what does what what depletes the energy? You mentioned inflammation. So, uh, what's the reason that you have uh, low levels of energy with age, and uh, even like when you're not old? Like, what does that what has depleted? Yeah. So, for for a long time, to be honest, it, people really didn't understand what was actually causing the NAD decline in cells. But now, there's been some recent breakthroughs that have demonstrated that there are really two main things. Um, And the first thing is that cells aren't able to make and recycle as much NAD as they get older. Um, So what most people don't realize is that actually the majority of NAD that you need in your body is simply made within the body um, from exogenous um, endogenous um, ingredients that are already there in your body that the body can simply recycle. So there's something in the cell called the salvage pathway. Um, which I know you're familiar with. Um, And um, basically the the salvage pathway is how the body makes the majority of its NAD. And this is a recycling process. So if you imagine you've got NAD in your cell, this NAD is then used up by all these useful processes um, and cellular pathways. It becomes broken down into a precursor called nicotinamide. Now, this nicotinamide can either go one or two ways. It can either be excreted out of the cell or it can actually be recycled back into fresh NAD again. And when you're young, this salvage pathway works brilliantly. Um, You know, you pretty much don't need to put any external precursors into your body in order to maintain your NAD levels, because once the NAD is used up, it's simply recycled straight back into fresh NAD again. But unfortunately, what happens is the key enzyme within this pathway has actually been found to decline with age and also decline in a lot of diseases. Um, And this enzyme is called NAMPT. Um, And This basically means that when your body, as you get older, actually has a higher demand for NAD because it's trying to switch on all the repair and maintenance pathways, that it's using up NAD, it's getting broken down into nicotinamide, but then there's nowhere for this nicotinamide to go to get recycled. It could be getting recycled back into fresh NAD, but if your salvage pathway isn't working efficiently, that just doesn't happen. And what that means is it has to be methylated and excreted out of the cell. So that's one half of the problem. The other half of the problem is actually as you're getting older, you've got more damage, you've got more inflammation, and there are various processes within the cell that actually become hyperactivated. Um, So the two main ones are um, your DNA repair enzymes, um, especially one called PARP. 
Um, and what PARP does is it, it needs NAD as like a fuel to be able to repair single-stranded DNA breaks. And if it hasn't got NAD, it can't work and it can't repair the DNA damage. On the flip side, if you've got a load of DNA damage in the cell, PARP starts working overtime and it starts using loads and loads and loads of NAD. And it's, it's effectively getting drained. Your resources are getting drained. The other thing that becomes hyperactivated in the cell is something called CD38. Now, CD38 is um, involved in immune activation. Um, so if you've got chronic low-level inflammation in your body um, or, you know, actual acute inflammation as well, you get chronic overactivation of this CD38 protein, and that just drinks NAD. Um, mm -hmm. it, it just uses so much NAD and it just effectively de depletes the cell. And what you find is these two things are like the perfect storm because older people have more damage, more inflammation. So they've got this huge increase in demand for NAD right at the point in their lives when they're also failing to actually be able to recycle it and regenerate it as effectively mm. from the salvage pathway. And those two things put together mean that that is why NAD really depletes as you get older. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's almost like the inevitable part of aging is mm. what uh, makes you produce less NAD and makes you less effective at like re at recycling it. And at the same time, just if you have like a bad lifestyle habit that promotes inflammation and uh, DNA damage, then you're going to accelerate that uh, faster. So it does uh, directly contribute to the aging uh, as well. So it's like a vicious cycle that you... Uh, yeah. You, exactly that. You're, you're less able to recycle the energy and you're experiencing more damage and you're also producing less of it naturally. So yeah, it's a, it's a vicious cycle in that sense. Exactly. Vicious cycle is the best way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. Um, how, how much, like, um, you know, what I've heard is that there's like the difference between, um, you know, because your body can also make NAD from uh, you know, food and there's the mm -hmm. third pathway, which is the salvage pathway. Uh, how what is the like ratios of how much NAD comes from each pathway? So, because I've heard like that, you know, the vast majority of the NAD comes from the salvage pathway, like up to like 90% or something like that. Do you have it? No, have it yeah, it is. I don't know the exact numbers. And I think it actually, it actually varies depending on different tissues in the body. Um, so some tissues are more dependent on the salvage pathway, as opposed to like the Prius handler pathway or the de novo pathway, which are the other pathways that can be used to make NAD. Um, for example, um, the brain and the heart are very dependent on the salvage pathway. Um, so it, it does slightly depend on the tissue in the body. But in, in general terms, the salvage pathway is the most important. And if you think about it logically, it makes sense because why on earth would the body want to have to depend on getting some sort of external precursor coming in to make this critical molecule? It needs to have its own, you know, its own internal ways of being able to make NAD because yeah. it can't it can't be running out. <laughs> yeah. um, it's so critical. It has to have a fail-safe way to generate it. And it does that by having this salvage recycling pathway. So theoretically, the cells should never run out if that mm. pathway keeps going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like uh it does with everything else as well, like ATP gets recycled and uh so yeah everything else almost is also <laughs> recycled by the body uh, but how do you 
yeah, like how do you or why is why is the what is the reasons that it, the salvage pathway goes down and uh, or the NAP, NAPT enzyme and uh, other ways to like uh, boost it uh, naturally as well. Yeah, so NAMPT, um, the levels of NAMPT are actually affected by multiple different things. Um, NAD itself actually feeds back um, and activates NAMPT in this another cycle. So basically, if you have high levels of NAD, this then activates the sirtuins, um, which are, you know, our longevity genes that activate huge amounts of downstream pathways that have huge benefits and huge different functions across the cell. But one of them is that it they regulate circadian rhythm in the cell. Um, so actually, if you have high NAD, you activate the sirtuins, that switches on circadian clock machinery. Um, such as BMAL, and then that actually then goes on to feedback and uh, either turn up or turn down NAMPT. Um, so in that way, you find when you look when you measure people's NAD and NAMPT levels throughout the day, you actually see they they sort of fluctuate, um, that they're not constant, um, and you know this this diurnal fluctuation um, is basically linked to your circadian rhythm. Um, so good sleep hygiene um, can actually um, improve levels of NAMPT and therefore NAD um, directly. The other thing is the energy status of the cell. Um, so what you find is, um, so take something like fasting, that is putting the cell into a state of, of energy shock. So that says to the cell, oh my goodness, you know, we have low energy, we need to do something about this. So what that does is it triggers something called AMPK, which is like an energy sensor. AMPK then basically upregulates NAMPT to say, okay, make more NAD because NAD is a signal that's gonna tell all of the cellular maintenance and repair functions to switch on because we don't have any nutrients coming in. We don't have any energy coming in. So we need to maintain this cell. You know, we need to start recycling and repairing and maintaining rather than being wasteful. On the flip side, um, if you're sitting eating burgers and chips all day, then, you know, the cell's like, oh, there's no energy stress. Got loads of energy. AMPK gets turned down. NAMPT gets turned down, NAD goes down, all the cellular repair and maintenance pathways get turned down. Um, and um, yeah, th then you get the negative effects of that sort of lifestyle and diet. Um, yeah. Exercise in a similar way, you know, obviously that affects the energy status of the cell um, yeah. and also NAMPT levels. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen like studies where I find that the elderly who exercise, they have like, you know, much higher levels of NAD and higher levels of NAMPT as well compared to uh, younger people who don't exercise even. So uh, yeah, like uh, exercise is very uh, powerful and uh, I think one of the best like ways to boost NAD, but also it's one of the best ways to like slow down aging. <laughs> so yeah, exercise yeah. is like, like the yeah, best, best anti-aging uh, activity you can definitely do. Absolutely. And you know, both um, your diet and your exercise are both mm. directly influencing your NAD levels. And then obviously NAD itself doesn't, doesn't really do, well, it does a lot, but it's more what it switches on downstream, like the sirtuins and um, other, you know, the repair enzymes and things like that, that then have this pleiotropic effect where they're like, you know, switching on huge, vast arrays of beneficial genes and proteins in the cell. Mm. Yeah. One thing that you also mentioned that, I also very much 
emphasize is the circadian rhythm a link. So uh, you mentioned the sirtuins mm -hmm. and the NAPD enzyme is also like uh, sort one uh, dependent. So it actually needs to basically have the circadian rhythm uh, clock system working uh, properly for you to recycle the NAD. So like yeah, shift, yeah. Work, shift work will probably deplete your NAD a lot and it also suppresses the NAPT uh, enzyme. So uh, that's like another like underrated aspect to the entire NAD system so that in order to like have your body making NAD and recycle it, you also need to be you know, linked to the circadian rhythms and you know, get exposed to sunlight and uh, yeah. good, good sleep and those kind of things. Yeah, that's, you know, that's so important. And I think it's, you know, it's no surprise whatsoever that older people who have lower NAD sleep worse Mm. Um, because it is all linked um, and what you tend to find is in especially in older people if you actually boost their NAD levels they they you know get better sleep quality and they sleep for longer um, and it improves um, a lot of things if you improve your sleep um, but that's you know definitely linked to, to that higher NAD level which means that you, it can make your circadian rhythm more robust because as you get older, it tends to not be as pronounced those, you know, peaks and troughs in the NAD and the hormones and everything else that is part of the circadian rhythm. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, one one uh, idea I got right now was, that, you know, you mentioned anti stress that activates AMPK and then uh, NAPT. Um, would like things, you know, the things that cause oxidative stress and DNA damage would those also be like a signal to start recycling NAD or is it always bad? Um, because uh, obviously you can, you know, cause oxidative stress through getting exposed to radiation or things like that, uh, but you can also increase oxidative stress by exercising too much or uh, not sleeping enough. So uh, what's the what's the interaction there? Yeah, I think it's, again, it's one of these things where it kind of works in, in a bit of both ways, you know, things like inflammation um, and stress, oxidative stress can impact NAMPT. Um, and also, if you're thinking about oxidative damage and damage in DNA and things like that, then that's obviously then going to deplete DNA levels, which when you have lower NAD, less sirtuin activation, that's going to feed back and, you know, ultimately affect NAMPT. Um, and I think that's, you know, that is one of the things that I always bang on about, which is NAD is really complex. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, we just talk about this, oh, boosting NAD in this one molecule, but you've got, you've got to almost not think of it like that because it's the, what it's interacting with and what are the things that are influencing it in the body is so complex um, that you can never have this linear kind of you know oh if you do that it'll lead to that and it'll do that you, you kind of have to think of the whole of the biology of NAD as a whole which is is very very complicated um, and you know we're still learning about it all and I'm sure there'll be things that we'll be finding out in the future and um, that you know may change the change our thought process it may change the way we boost NAD in the future um, but yeah it's a it's a very complex area even though we just think of it as this one little abbreviation. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about food? Um, because there are food, uh, let's say, precursors that also help with energy. Yeah. So, you know, you have like the tryptophan, the vitamin B3, B3 derivatives that are within our food. They can act as precursors to actually boost NAD levels. But again, 
they are, that's almost like the backup way of doing it. Um, you know, ultimately it's that salvage pathway. That's, that's the key um, component or the key pathway that's um, producing NAD levels. But as, as you mentioned, you know, you can take the precursors, you can, you know, eat uh, tryptophan rich foods, um, foods that are rich in niacin, um, and ultimately they will go into the, the blood and be taken up by the cells and then be converted into NAD via some of the other pathways. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I also agree that it's, it's kind of yeah, it's insignificant compared to the amount of the NAD you get from uh, the salvage pathway. So yeah. uh, you, you, even if you were to be eating like a lot of uh, trips, I think there's like some probably some sort of uh, limit to how much you can make from tryptophan and uh, B3. Uh, yeah. Three, like yeah like if your salad chat is offline then uh you're, you're still probably gonna be eventually depleted of energy yeah and you know there's despite all of the sort of focus on you know using vitamin b3 derivatives and things to boost nad there's actually no evidence that the reason that our nad levels are declining is because we don't have enough of this b3 nutrient coming into our body Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if that was the case, we'd all have pellagra, which is the disease yeah. of vitamin B3 deficiency, which we don't have because in our diets, we get enough B3, but our NAD is still declining as we get older. And that's because it's actually the, this decline in the salvage pathway, this over activation of CD38, the over activation of the DNA repair enzymes like the PARPs. It's those things that are actually the key reasons behind the deficiency that we have with our NAD as we get older. Um, therefore, you know, you can supplement all you want with a precursor, but if you don't fix that salvage pathway, then, you know, you're never really gonna get back up to the NAD levels that you had when you were younger. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it's not it's not hard to get tryptophan or vitamin B three. Like it's very easy <laughs> to get it yeah. from, from the diet. So yeah. Um, but what about the uh, NAD boosters, uh, the supplements, nicotinamide uh, riboside and NMN, even like niacinamide? Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah. So obviously there are a lot of studies that demonstrate that those do boost cellular NAD levels, and um, you know. I think to date there's this, you know, the NMN studies in humans are now starting to emerge. And um, to date, it's always been the NR studies that have been the ones that have been um, put through the human clinical trials. But even I think since I wrote that paper recently, there were only 10 human clinical studies with NR that demonstrated an NAD boost. And actually the, the boost in NAD that was achieved wasn't that huge. You know, you were looking at about a 40 to maximum 100, I think it was 168 percent increase in in NAD levels um, by using NR. Um, and I might add as well that that was like way over the recommended dose that people will be buying them in supplements. Um, you know, sometimes four to five times the recommended dose to be able to achieve that boost in NAD. Um, and I think the reason that you don't see a huge impact on the NAD levels in this human studies is simply because, you know, you can put all the precursor you want into a cell, but if you don't fix the reasons of why NAD is declining, then you, you're never going to efficiently 
you know, have a, a sustainable NAD boost. Um, and I always sort of get people to think of this in a way that, you know, the cell is like a factory, this NAD production line in your cellular factory. If you went into a factory and you saw that the machines were broken um, the pipes were leaking, the staff were not working properly um, and you wanted to boost production in that factory, would you say, oh, well, the way to fix all this is just order more raw material. Let's just ship more raw material in and hope this broken factory somehow produces more NAD at the end. Mm. And the answer is that wouldn't help. Like if you want to fix that factory, you need to get the production line fixed. You need to get the staff working properly. You need to stop the pipes leaking. Um, and then you'll increase productivity even without bringing more raw material to the factory. Um, and this is very much like NAD. You know, you can give NR and nicotinamide um, NMN and that can go into the cell and it can be used once, you know, by the sirtuins, the DNA repair enzymes. But when it is being used once, it is broken back down into that nicotinamide. So if that salvage pathway isn't working properly, then it's not going to go any further. So you're kind of getting like one use out of this NAD and then it has to get the, the cell has to get rid of it. And if you look at some of the human studies that have used um, NR, um, Basically, you can see that levels of something called methyl nicotinamide increase when you supplement with NR. And what, what this is, is basically if your salvage pathway isn't working effectively, after your NAD has been used up, it then gets converted into nicotinamide. And if it can't be recycled, it starts to build up in the cell. And generally, cells don't like things building up. So the cell's like, oh my goodness, we need to get rid of this nicotinamide. And the way cells do that is they increase the expression of another enzyme called NNMT. And what this does is it, it basically attaches a methyl group under the nicotinamide and that signals it for excretion out of the body. And you can see in, in studies, human studies, where they've given people high doses of NR that methyl nicotinamide actually increases. Um, and this is because the salvage pathway isn't functioning as well. So rather than recycling, this nicotinamide, perfectly good nicotinamide, by the way, <laughs> um, is, is getting excreted out of the cell. But if you improve the salvage pathway, that doesn't need to happen. And you can actually keep recycling and reusing it. Mm, yeah. 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 Like that's definitely like, you know, I mean, in the short term, yeah, you will, you will see, or at least like you're going to see the increase in energy once if you take the uh, NAD boosters, but yeah, if the salvage pathway isn't uh, working properly, then uh, yeah, you're gonna lose uh, a lot of that, and uh, and yeah, it's not gonna be like sustainable in that sense. So yeah, obviously you yeah. need to, you definitely need to fix the uh, salvage pathway um, to uh, even start to reap the long term benefits of uh, NAD boosting uh, with supplements. So yeah, yeah, exactly, and it's you know if you're gonna take the time and money to do it, you might as well <laughs> do it in a way that is actually sustainable. Mm. Um, and also that doesn't have any other knock-on effects in the cell. Um, you know, because if you ignore the fact that the actual root causes of NAD decline and just take the precursor and just ignore the fact that your salvage pathway is not working, ignore the fact that CD38 is overexpressed and PARP's overexpressed, then the, the sort of two thing, you start sort of knocking out all different parts of the cell out of its normal, you know, physiological 
function. So you you see that in older cells, they've got increased expression of this NNMT, and that's not normal. And then people go, oh, well, just you know, supplement with um, TMG, trimethylglycine to get your methyl groups back. And it's like, no, because that's like, you know, that's like firefighting. <laughs> like you've done one thing that's trying to help the cell that's made another thing worse. Then you have to having to take another supplement to fix that problem. Like you shouldn't have to be doing that um, mm. if you address the root causes. Um, you shouldn't have to be, you know, taking methyl donors because you shouldn't be depleting your methyl groups in the first place. Mm. Um, you know, yeah. if you if you address the real problems that are actually causing NAD decline. Yeah, yeah. I can still see like some merit in uh, in situations where you are like in in rock bottom almost. <laughs> uh, mm. Then you know, in the short term, using the boosters can be good to kind of raise your NAD level so that you can start because you do need NAD to get the factor you're working again as well. <laughs> in that yeah. sense, uh, so you would need to get like a little bit of a, like a boost again to start making the factory work uh, properly again um but uh, yeah like in the long term but you will uh, simultaneously you want to also address fixing the uh, salvage pathway and the NAP, NAPT enzyme uh, so yeah. yeah absolutely and this is you know the way to think of it is that nothing in biology you know exists as a single part mm. you know and, and especially in aging there are so many different things going on and they're all interlinked you know all the hallmarks of aging NAD kind of sits in the middle of them and impacts all of them um, and, you know, if you really want to have any impact on particular areas of aging biology, generally what you find is you can't do just one thing. You have to be doing multiple different things to, to have a real impact. And the same goes for NAD. You know, NAD might be one part of your bigger strategy to kind of um, target aging, but even mm. NAD has to have a, a strategy in itself. It can't just be NAD. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. How, how would you go about maybe assessing your uh, NAD levels? Yeah, let's talk about first like that. Like, how would you know that you're low in NAD and uh, how do you, what to do then? I mean, you know, without any testing um, to, to how to know that or identify that you may have issues with your NAD levels um, would definitely be thinking about like what your energy levels are generally like. You know, do you feel tired and groggy and sluggish? That you know generally is a symptom of, of low NAD, and um, not just in the in the you know the physical body, but actually the mind. Um, low NAD um, is is associated with brain fog type symptoms. So I think generally people that are feeling, you know, a bit knackered and tired and brain foggy all the time generally would benefit from boosting their NAD levels. And you do find that those types of people seem to be the ones that actually really notice a difference when they do start to use NAD boosters. Um, then obviously there's, there's the whole um, idea of, well, you know, can we measure NAD? Like, can we do a blood test um, that will actually tell us what our NAD levels are in some sort of number um, that we can track? Um, I know that there are various companies now popping up that claim that you can do this. Um, I'm slightly skeptical <laughs> just because I have actually measured NAD in the lab and I know what it entails. Um, so when you know companies are kind of offering a, a, a blood spot on a card or a you know vial of blood or whatever and sending it away somewhere and then they're analyzing it, 
I would, you know, I'd really like to understand a bit more how they preserve the NAD to stop it from degrading. And um, because from our experience in our clinical trials in the lab, um, you know, within 20 minutes, um, the NAD that you take, you know, the, if you take a blood sample, a venous blood sample, the NAD is practically gone after 20 minutes. If you just leave it sat on the lab bench, um, you know, we've measured this. Um, so what we would do is we have to basically take the blood out of the person, it goes straight on ice, and then it's it's prepped, it's lympho prepped. So you can remove the white blood cells or whichever parts of the blood that you want to look for the NAD. And then it's immediately cryogenically frozen until we do that analysis. And if you don't be that, you know, um, kind of robust about preserving the NAD, by the time you go to read it, it's not an accurate reflection of what's in the body because the thing you have to remember with NAD is that it's 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 designed to be unstable the whole purpose of NAD is that it flips between different states and different metabolites very very easily um so that's it that's a challenge that we as scientists need to get around to be able to identify like how can we measure maybe something indirectly and that's a bit more stable so that we can develop it into some consumer testing. Um, so my personal opinion on, on the, the testing is that I don't think anybody has managed to get over that issue yet. Um, and it's still a technique that kind of relies on some quite stringent laboratory testing and mm. with, with heavy controls to make sure it's not degraded. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um... But is there, do you think in the future, is there any possibility to have like a very fast and easy way to do it? Yeah, I think there will be. You know, there was things like the Amigas that were hard to measure. And now there's been ways found for that. And, you know, because the importance of NAD is growing and, and people are realizing that, that it impacts so many areas of our health, it's only a matter of time until people work out how to do it. Um, you know, that's not my area of expertise. We won't, we won't be doing that ourselves. Um, but I'm hoping someone can because, you know, it would help us. <laughs> mm, right, right. <laughs> For sure. Um, so, but you also have your own uh, NAD uh, boosting supplement, but it's not uh, the same as a uh, nicotine driver side or in men. So can you like mm -hmm. uh, talk about that? What's the ingredients? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Exactly that. So, you know, after everything we, we've spoke about today, when I um, founded Nichido, I was really passionate about bringing out supplements that actually targeted the root cause of different hallmarks of aging. Um, and, you know, one of the first ones that we um, brought out was Nichido Time Plus, which is an NAD boosting supplement, but it works in a completely different way to everything else that's out there. Um, because it's not just a precursor, it actually contains multiple different ingredients that actually fix the underlying cellular causes of NAD decline. So, you know, we've spoke about the importance of the salvage pathway. So it has ingredients in there that actually upregulate the NAMPT enzyme. Um, we spoke about um, the importance of, you know, or the the annoyance of CD38. Um, so we've got ingredients in there that in actually inhibit CD38. Um, we look at actually preventing the methylation of nicotinamide and its excretion is methyl nicotinamide by actually inhibiting NNMT enzyme, which promotes the recycling of nicotinamide by the salvage pathway. So 
we sort of say we take this whole systems approach to NAD restoration. So we do have a precursor in there as well, which is nicotinamide. Um, and um, but then we're we're also putting all the other ingredients in there that are fixing the factory. So not only have you got the raw material, you've also got the ingredients that are required to actually make sure that your cells are in the optimal condition to be able to make the NAD and keep recycling it um, within the cells. So we brought this supplement out back in 2019 and we've done an initial pilot human study on it and we found in that study um, that it increased cellular NAD levels by 242 percent which is significantly more than some of the NR studies and we believe the reason why it works significantly better is that you're not only putting the raw material in but you're also fixing all the other issues in the cell which using a precursor alone doesn't actually address um, we've since done a, a much larger study of 24 people, and this one was double-blinded placebo-controlled crossover, and we're this close um, to releasing the results of that one, um, so you'll have to wait. <laughs> I, I can't disclose them today, um, but yeah, and you know, we, we've tested a, a huge, you know, array of, of different cellular markers in, in that, with our product. You know, we've not only measured NAD, but we've measured all the different metabolites of NAD as well to look at, you know, are we reducing methylation? Are we promoting recycling? Um, we're looking at mitochondrial function in that um, study. We've been looking at, um, does it actually increase the activity of the sirtuins? Um, does it actually increase NAMPT levels? So we found in our pilot study that within um, 16 days of taking our supplement, NAMPT levels were massively increased, like going from baseline where you couldn't even detect it in these subjects to actually really high expression after just 16 days. So we wanted to look into that a bit more about the mechanism of action. Um, so we're quite confident that our supplement does do a lot of extras that precursors alone um, don't actually do. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like there's definitely like um, many compounds that uh, help to do the salvage pathway more like NAM or nicotinamide does go directly into the salvage pathway into an AMPT as well. And uh, yeah, you can even like reduce CD38 with different kinds of compounds. Like I think, I think the most known uh, compounds were like, are like quercetin and apigenin. There was like actually one recent mouse study as well that saw that, uh, apigenin uh, reduced or as physetin as well, as well as I think and that reduced like uh, mortality in mice by like 17% uh, through the CD38 inhibition so uh, yeah yeah there's, and like, that's it there's you know there's a lot of evidence you know this isn't like a hypothesis that oh if you you know inhibit CD38 and you increase NAMPT you know you're going to boost NAD levels there is so much evidence already out there that shows that does happen. So, you know, just by inhibiting CD38, you can increase your NAD levels pretty much to the same level, if not more than just using NR. So think about actually putting those things together. So, you know, using the precursor and using the CD38 inhibitor and using an NAMPT activator and activate an EMPK as well. 
you know, and inhibit in the methylation. And that's what our product does. It does all of the different things um, in one go. Yeah, that's good. Uh, was the study that you mentioned in humans, right? Yeah, the, so humans. Okay. So initially we did the pilot study and that was in two humans. And now the double-blinded placebo-controlled crossover study is in 24. Nice, gotcha. Yeah, it's definitely... Uh, worth um, you know trying out uh, or you know because i mean there's other benefits to uh activating AMA because well besides the nad uh there's like AMPKs involved in autophagy as well so uh <laughs> yeah many reasons yeah. to kind of have have that system activated as well that puts a bit of like this small energy stress on the body Yeah, absolutely. AMPK is one of my other favorite um, <laughs> favorite <laughs> molecules or proteins in the body. Nice. Um, yeah, well, and uh, it's time. It's called time. Where can people uh, check it out? Yeah, it's called um, Nichido Time Plus, um, and it's a, it's available on our website, which is nichido.com. Gotcha. Nice. Um, well, I mean, it's been really interesting uh, conversation and. Uh, definitely a lot of like rabbit holes we could go down but i think that was like a very good uh very in-depth and broad overview about the entire importance of energy and the system of energy and a lot of things that people didn't know about i think uh, especially in, in relation to this allergy pathway that is very like overlooked and underrated the kind of the importance of that and yeah like at the end of the day like you shouldn't think of or think of as some sort of like a magic pill that you just take the NAD and magic happens. Uh, you just have to also like, you still uh, put in the work in terms of uh, like overall lifestyle and uh, have the factory working properly, like I said. Uh, so yeah, I'm glad that uh, people have the opportunity to, you know, just get a good uh, overview about that. Yeah, no, exactly what you said. Um, it's, you know, biology is super complex. Um, we're still learning about it. And it's it's always good to, to try and get the latest science out there. So, you know, people can really understand what it is they're trying to boost um, in their bodies. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, I'm going to leave all the links in the show notes as well. And uh, before I ask my last question, uh, where can people learn more about you and uh, your work? So they can follow me. I tend to be on Instagram and it's just at Dr. Nicola Conlon. Um, and that's probably the best place to, to find me. And also, you know, our, our company Instagram, which is at Nichido um, and our company website, um, nichido.com. Nice. We're going to put those also in the show notes. And uh, my last question is, uh, what's this one piece of advice or a habit that you uh, wish you adopted sooner? Um, I think about, uh, personally for me, tracking, uh, the importance of understanding your own body and your own blood um, and, you know, just really understanding what's normal for you in terms of the levels of different things. I'm a huge advocate of, you know, getting all my blood biomarkers done. Um, and it just means that you can then track when things are starting to go a little wrong. Um, whereas if you start feeling a bit 
off um, and you go to the doctor and get your bloods done and they go, oh, they're normal. And you're going, yeah, but I feel rubbish. Um, at least if you've been tracking it, you can say, well, actually, you know, my thyroid level or whatever is normally this and now it's this. So, you know, it may still be normal as far as you're concerned, but that's not normal for me. So something's going wrong. Um, and, and for me, I think that's super important. And that's another thing apart from NAD that I always bang on about <laughs> to anyone that will listen. Nice. Yeah, I agree. It's that uh, tracking is power or, or yeah. it gives you like knowledge and awareness. Uh, well, it's, uh, it was great to talk with you. Thanks for coming to the uh, podcast. And uh, yeah, like would be interesting to see like the future trials with uh, your supplement and see what effects uh, do they give. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, maybe when we'll get the results, I can come back on and discuss them. Yeah, sounds good. Well, uh, it was a good talking with you. And uh, yeah, I'll see you around. Thank you.